Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are bringing you a special mini-sode only for those who have finished the entire Akatar series. This is a warning with big flashy lights that this is an episode that will contain spoilers from all the Akatar books. Listen at your own discretion. And settle in, darling listeners. We've been eager to discuss this with you all season. Get ready for Surreal's Tea Time. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I thought that no one could fix me. Can't get hold of my feelings with you in my head, with you in my heart. I'm not afraid of the dark. Guys, we were not kidding. I have been noting things in these chapters like a mad woman that I couldn't discuss with you guys because we purposely tried to keep this entire first season spoiler free. And just in case you accidentally kept listening when you weren't supposed to, we are going to keep the rest of the books in chronological order and not give any spoilers unless we have these little mini-sodes that we're going to sprinkle in because it's not fair to the people who haven't read the books and are reading with us like the book club or like the book club that we are. So guys, I'm so excited. I've got them written down in my book. Libby has not seen them. So I'm so excited to get started. Libby, you ready for the first one? I just want to say the amount of little tabs and highlighting in your book, it frightens me, Abby. Here's a good look. That is literally just half of the book that we've covered. And your book is full. I should probably share it now on the podcast. Maybe make a little video of my favorite parts so far. Because, guys, I, I have to tell you, this is the end of season one today. It is. So maybe as my little present to all of our lovely darling listeners, I will go ahead and share the book that this podcast has been built upon. So we have to start with the elephant in the room. Tamlin mm. saying that the treaty brought him right to Pharaoh's doorstep. Tamlin has been a dirty, lying mother effer his pants better be on fire my friend because he's lied about so much but this one this one pissed me off the most this aspect of the treaty does not exist there's nothing there's nothing with that he's so full of it you know what the first time i read this book i was like oh that makes sense it's a very specific treaty and i guess the magic really did bring him right to the sword tub and he said this to lucian lucian who did not bat in I, right. who did not go, oh, that's weird because the treaty doesn't exist. Nothing. Just let Feyre sit there and believe it. I think that's what got me to fall along with it for so long is that not just Lucian, Alice, everybody played along with everything he said. And maybe it's a high lord thing that they just have to follow along with what he said. But that just seems dirty. Everybody just went along with the story. It was very irritating that they all just lied to her. Over and over. Reading it back is, I think, the most infuriating thing because, again, we just believed them and we had no reason to not believe them, yep. especially because he was telling this to both Deira and Lucian and explaining, you know, it brought her right to her doorstep. And she's so overwhelmed in general because this woman just got stolen. Let's talk about that. Literally date rape drugged. 
the magical version of date rape uh, drugged. Yes. Through a land she's never been to and only feared her whole life. And now he's making up these lies that she just believes. We know how heartbroken and mad she is when she finds out that this, this part of the treaty does not exist. But the fact that he just so blatantly sprinkled it in. I was enraged when we read it and I definitely discussed it in, in our episode coverage of it. But to know that when he date rate drugged her that he went in and like de-armed her disgusted me he uh you went through her body to grab her weapons i get it she wasn't a threat to you though but she's a human her weapons wouldn't have done anything yeah gross tamlin but reading that back and knowing that he knew she killed andrus with hate in her heart and he knew that he sent andrus out there to die he knew that she was not of any harm to him. She could not actually kill a fae. Yes. I am angry. I'm obviously very passionate about this podcast because we have one. And the fact that he laughs when he says it. And then Lucian goes, you're joking. That scrawny thing brought down Andrus with a single ash arrow. <laughs> Bitch, you knew. That's what he went there to do. You knew. You knew that that was the, the end task, the end goal was that he was sacrificing himself. And we find out Andrus wasn't the first. He sent so many people to die over and over and over. It was so infuriating. And Lucian's anger about Andrus's death, obviously unjustified. Yeah. When he's self-sacrificing himself to do these things, why are you then going to torment her over and over again? Evil. That itself is evil. Right. How do you, you, you know the term, you, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Why would you think that treating her that way would make her then accept and fall in love with one of your own? And I know that they can't tell her what to do. Right. But like you could not be a dick, maybe. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. Okay, so that's number one. Are you ready for that? We have 14 of these to get through. Are you ready for number two? Good Lord. Well, technically 15. You're welcome, listeners. Okay, so I just want to preface this with my notes here they say sneaky little bitch so let me read this sneaky little bitch i like it Feyre. she just met the surreal and she was remembering that the surreal said stay with the high lord human the surreal said that's all you can do you will be safe do not interfere do not go looking for answers after after today or you will be devoured by the shadow over perinthian he will shield you from it so stay close to him and all will be righted Wrong, High Lord. Oh my gosh. Oh. I have chills. Wrong, High Lord, Surreal. And you know it. And he's just, he's kind of giggling. He just left it out. He he knew. He did. Of course he did. He knew he was not being up front. He's sitting there with his tea and he's spinning the little spoon and clinking it against the side and just going, stay with the High Lord, but I'm not going to tell you which one it is. Yup. He's just got his little pinky out. He's blowing off the steam. He's like, Whoo. oh yeah, by the way, stay with the High Lord. I bet it was out of spite. I bet it was because he, she ensnared him instead of just being like, yo, I got a cool new cloak for you, my guy. He was like, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to tie me up and restrain me. So I bet that's why. But I'm going to not tell you everything because you made me mad. And then I love how she goes, where did the blight come from? And I'm thinking in my head, he can't tell you. He physically by magic cannot tell you. Like it'd be great if he could, but he can't. But he can be a dick and he can tell you everything else. But it contradicts him as a being having to be 100% honest. So I don't know how he would have gotten himself out of that if the Naga wouldn't have shown up in that instance. So, Well, he just, he, 
that's not the issue. He just says other information. He just doesn't answer the question. He dances right across it. He dances right across it. You're right. You're right. He talks about Highburn being in a land all to himself across the sea, yada, yada, yada. I, it just made me so mad because I was like, he literally can't tell you, but he's going to, he's going to sprinkle and stay with the high Lord. And then we find out later wrong high Lord when the cereal is like, <laughs> well, I did say a high Lord. I didn't tell you it was supposed to be. But Cauldron blessed that it was the wrong high Lord because as it went on, ugh, I was like, really? I mean, thank God because ew. Has it not physically hurt you to have to read back and see all the quote sweet things we thought about Tamlin? And even the parts where I'm like, my heart is hurting because he's being very sweet. But me now is being like, but he's also a jerk. Like I know he's a jerk. He's icky and gross and he's doing bad things and he's manipulative. And I feel just as tricked as Feyre was from the first time I read it, the first time I read it, I was swooning. I totally was just like, oh my gosh. I was in love with him. Yes. I remember being on TikTok and being like, why are they saying that calling him tampon? I was like, I love this guy. Yes. I literally texted you and I was like, why is there such a fandom for Resand? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Cause you'd already read it. Yeah, I did. I was like, mm-hmm. oh. Olivia, I can't wait for you to finish the book so I can talk about it. I don't know. And I did. I, I blew through them and you were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like when I finally caught up. Oh, yeah, because we could talk. We talked about it so much. We made podcasts. It was like all I could think about it. It was at the forefront of my mind. I was rereading this again or listening to it. And I said, buddy, I'm falling for Tamlin again. Damn it. Yeah, I felt just as foolish as Feyre. I felt tricked just like Feyre had been. I felt like I looked back and was like, all the red flags were there and I just skated right past them just like she did, which makes reading it back harder. Okay, you said I'm at the part where Feyre has has to go back home, like right on chapter 28. I said, it's so, so, so good. And she said, I've already known enough TikTok. You said this. I've already seen enough TikToks before reading this to know everyone loves Reese, but so far he seems evil to me and I'm just so confused because she loves Tamlin so much. I said, Haha, you're right on track, right with, right with what the book wants you to think. You said, ah, it makes me so sad to think they won't last, I guess. I guess I'm changing my feeling, or I'm guessing my feelings will change though. I have to give it to SJM. She has you right where she wants you almost every step of the way. Anytime you're feeling something, yes, that's what you should be feeling. And you might regret it later, but that was what you were supposed to feel. Here, you said this. So remember how I loved Tampon? That's his name now. No, hard no. Reese, 100%. I'm starting to get it. Tampon has changed. <laughs> Your reactions are my favorite. I was in book two at that point. I don't even know if that was when she had had her breakdown and was rescued. Oh, I can tell you exactly when it was because you told me. Okay, yeah. So more just rescued Feyre and I'm th- I'm literally crying for her. Just how broken, alone, and empty and ugh. I did. I actually did. I was, it was the middle of the night I think when I read that part and I did cry, like I was hurting for her to know that that is how she felt. Well, you were also crying from your ear infection, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> was it ear infection or wisdom tooth removal? I can't remember. No, it was ear infection. Who knows? You're right, because wisdom tooth came way after that. Oh You're my gosh. so right. Okay, ready for number three. Yes, yes. It's at the fire night, Callum and I. There's two things on one page, like one physical book page. So, Technically two book pages, but it says, 
there was a string, a string tied to my gut that pulled me towards those hills, commanding me to go to hear the fairy drums. And I said, like the string between her and Reese. Bestie, how are you? Oh, she like the planning. When I realized that they were bonded that way, I was floored to see just how much planning. Yeah, because it's your it's your freaking mate. Literally, and you know he was doing it. Right. It's not like she just was writing a book and then wrote a sequel. Like, she planned Mm -hmm. these. These go so far back. And I have since then... And sprinkled all this stuff in. Yes. I have since then watched interviews with her where she has said while she was writing Throne of Glass, she was also working on Akatar. Like, this, this all... Like this woman, it all went so far back. It's insane how much planning and depth she put into everything. And reading book two and, and learning about some of these things that that she did to foreshadow, I was like, wow! Like she, we thought she was just writing a book, but she's laying the groundwork. Like this, this shouldn't even be considered book one. This should just be the prequel because it's the prequel. Yeah, ground. Ugh. Ground zero. This is actually ground zero. And if, I mean, knowing the books later, this really is ground zero. It is. Like, knowing that we had to build this whole world. But this isn't even the world. This is a very, like, knowing all that we know now at the end of Akasaf, this is the smallest, tiniest bit of this world. There are the six other courts. And now we know all these things about them. And now we know. Not even that. There's other continents. There's other. Exactly. There, there's other corners of the world. But doesn't, didn't it feel so overwhelming even reading just this little bit? It did. To learn all the rules. And, and we needed this given to us bit by bit by bit. But looking back and knowing that all these things were sprinkled in, I'm like, God damn it, she's a genius. She's genuinely a genius. Screw J.K. Rowling. This woman writes so well. And maybe grammatically not the best. Like, sometimes. But she is a genius to sprinkle these little things in. I would love to know if anyone knows of an interview where she says where this all started and came from. I would love to know because I know like JK Rowling, the the story with Harry Potter is that she had a dream about a boy or she, you know, that whole, that's where that all started. I want to know. We don't speak of her. We love Harry Potter, but we don't speak of her. Do what? No, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm right there with you. I, I feel you. Trust me. They're separate entities now in my head. There's Harry Potter and then there's J.K. Rowling. But what I'm trying to get at is that we know where the beginning, where that blossomed. I want to know because SJM, she gets me. The like, She is insane. The plot twists, the, the surprises, the unexpected. The trauma. The tears. <laughs> the trauma. All of it. I I just want to know at what point did this all? What? Where was the blossom? Where was the little bud? The beginning. The the listeners, please tell us. I'm sure someone knows. And we've just been too involved in the books itself to do some background, which we might be able to do soon. But please share. Well, we could try to do some deep digging. But if you guys already know, let us. We'll give you credit. We will shout you out. And we will share it on an episode. I promise you. And shout you out. Like, let us know. And Libby, okay. In that same line of Reese in the gut and pulling her with the string attached, which we can just talk about the, the tattoos and oh, listen to this. Literally the next page. But a wild, wicked voice weaving in between the drum beats whispered otherwise. 
go, that voice said, tugging at me. Go see. That is Reese. And I said, Reese, you sneaky bastard. Well, I don't know that he intended to. Because when he later on is giving us his whole backstory, he's like, I knew that you'd be there. But he didn't know, like, how to communicate or meet her. I wonder if it was his subconscious. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know that he intended to. But I bet a part of him... Like some unintentional part of him reached out and was like the mate bond that they already had. Yes, exactly. Was like, get your butt out there. Whew. His magic. I mean, we know his magic has mind of its own. Yes. Yeah. It probably was like, mm, I'm going to sneak out there and go grab her. Cause you have to meet. Cause that's fate. And you know, when they, they meet, he's the most beautiful man. And I was like, Whoa, I was like, you don't just throw that in if he's not supposed to be a main character. And then for him to later on, I, I'm I'm sure you got your bullet points, but I just when when Tamlin kneels for him, I was just like, Tamlin's not he's not going to be the main guy. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll edit it out. Go ahead. No, you actually brought me to the next bullet point, number four. Oh, perfect. There you are. I've been looking for you. Do you remember when I said this is probably the only spoiler I ever put in the first season? Was that holds so much weight because it does. And that's a lot of people's favorite quote from the entire book series is there you are. I've been looking for you. And I didn't resonate with it before this podcast because I was like, eh, it's not, I mean, it's not our best writing, honestly. There you are. I've been looking for you. You are my future. You are my fate. You are my mate. He's been looking for her for 500 years. It hits. And when he later on tells her, I would wait another 500 i'd wait a thousand if this was all the time we got it oh we all know that the series has obviously affected us we've all cried to the core like that could make me cry there's so much weight in those words but when you're reading this you're like who the hell is that and why has he been waiting for her well just from the start like he knows he knows he feels so strongly and he loves her he knows it right away he like he has never been shy about that from day one even when Feyre struggles with him later on and is like fighting against him and he is just so patiently like accepting and accepting that she's in love with another man and not trying to steal her away not trying to like he that to me like that is love that is he's accepting of her wants and her needs when she tells him at fire night like have a great night he knows this is the love of his life and he doesn't try to drag her away for himself he's just okay you too wow he's a respectful shocking concept tim tam the monster man maybe we should do that he is willing to be devastated and broken as long as it means she's happy and i uh, how do you compare that to tamlin <laughs> mr jealous rage anger can't control his emotion Ugh. Okay, you ready for the next one? I think we're at five. Let me double check. One, two, three, four, five, six. My apologies. Tailman says, you were there when they wrecked your father's leg. And Feyre says, someone had to beg them to stop. Tamlin threw an all-too-knowing glance in my direction and turned to the rest of the painting. Tam's been through some shit. Now, I thought he begged for his like his father and his mother's life, and that's wrong. I know that now. But Tam's been through a lot of shit. And now, looking back, I'm like, I can see why he has that knowing glance. He knows what happened to Moore. He knows what's happened to Lucian and his family. Like, there's just a lot... I get that now. I never got that before reading this because you're like, why does he have a knowing glance? Like he also knows what it's like at this point to beg for his land to be safe, you know? So that was cool to witness, to look back on. 
Okay, seven is the one we talked about last episode, Libby. It is. This is from Tamlin. says, he laughed, though not entirely with amusement. When I remained silent, he sighed. No, I don't want you to live somewhere else. I want you here where I can look after you, where I can come home and know you're here painting and safe. We keep coming back to this. We have come back to this reference so many times. It, it is so... That's a turning point to me. And it's something that when you read it the first time, you never pick up on that. But it's so foreshadowing. You think it's cute. We think that we're wondering when we get to book two, when did Tamlin change? What He never did. He always wanted her locked in a cage. He wanted her locked in a cage in book two. She realized that's not who she was. She becomes her own person again. She finds her strength. She becomes Feyre again. And she's like, this is not me. This is when she's losing herself. This is when he says that. Right. She just looked at him numbly. She didn't fight back. She didn't say, I even said the foreshadowing here is insane, bestie. Like it is this looking back is one of those pivotal moments in the book. And I'm like, oh, he was never the person that Thayer made him to be. He was never this knight in shining armor that saved her. He has always wanted her boxed in a cage, safe and sound at his mercy. He has. He's, But he's also not been upfront about him as a person to her. So many steps along the way, he's presented himself as this strong, amazing, sophisticated person. And he's really not. He's an enraged beast of a, of a man. And he, he has no patience, no kindness. He wants what he wants and nothing else will do. It's his word and that's it. He gets the final say so, nobody else. And Feyre, I think, thinks that she's found her first love. And she's found someone who gives her the ease and safety that she struggled to provide for her family. And she just goes along with it. And when she finally starts to realize that's not who she is and she's got to figure out who she is and Tamlin's not on board to just wait around while she does that, that's when she realizes, oh, those red flags. Like, she thinks they're new. She's like, when did this all happen? When did we change? No, he's always been that way. Those have been there from day one. And we all got tricked into thinking we fell for it just like she did. We allowed ourselves to swoon for all the cutesy things he did only to go back and realize he has been a nightmare from the beginning. Speaking of falling for things that are planted, let's go to number eight right here. This is when they found the head from the night court. Yeah. Yeah. This is Tamlin speaking. The night court does what it wants, Tamlin said. They live by their own codes, their own corrupt morals. They're all statistic killers, Lucian said. I dared glance at him. He was now perched on the heron stone wings. I looked away again. They delight in torture of every kind and would find this stunt to be amusing. And I literally said, that's what they want you to think. Yes. I'm thinking in my head, good job. Good job job because that's exactly what they want you to think cassian as reese i mean more that is exactly the face they put on and they're keeping that on yes i honestly reading back got such a sense of pride to be like good job guys you're doing it even though it kills you well and you just know obviously whoever's head they used definitely deserved it you know that they're never going to put someone up there that didn't do something atrocious anyway no it was amarantha that wanted to do it it wasn't reese yeah but reese even when he was under the mountain you know that he was doing what he could to keep people safe and protected oh my god he kept his home hidden i mean he manipulated amarantha so many times he knew that tarquin and the rest of the summer court members were part of the plan to escape and he let amarantha believe that it was only the one summer court member so that they could all survive 
he was allowing people to call him Amaranthus Whore. Oh, we're getting there. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. I'll wait. Then. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Next. Number nine. All right. We talked about this in two episodes ago. <laughs> when in walks Mr. Reese <laughs> and he asks Tam, there's, there's two things on this page. He asked him what they were up to. <laughs> and Tam then goes, we're in the middle of lunch. And Reese goes, mm stimulating <laughs> i just know this man now and i love that so much and unless you know reese it's not funny but when you know reese you're like you're being such a dick and i love you i even said smart ass i love you okay there's three things on this page the next one down she said <laughs> at, uh, about reese's voice an erotic caress of sound that brought heat to my cheeks and i said ma'am He's not yours yet. Calm down. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, he is, but she doesn't know it. But I was like, okay, um, your boy toy is literally in the room, so we need to not flush by another man. I mean, but then again, she was also just like, I don't care if Lucian's in the room. Now she's like, you know what, Tamlin, you can watch too. Tall, dark, and handsome. Okay, third on that page. This is all considered number nine. This broke my heart. I literally put a sad crying face. It said, what do you know about anything? You're just Amaranthus whore. Her whore I might be, but not without my reasons. Mm. Yeah, his reasons were he's keeping his entire, every single person he cares about safe. He's literally whoring himself out. It hurt. And then when he says something, you have the quote, I'm sure, where he like side-eyes Lucian and referring as being a whore. As her whore. Yeah, it's, it's a couple pages later. It still hurts him. And like looking at that, you can see, because you wouldn't have caught that the first time around. But now... It's, it's, you can see that hurts him. It hurt him then. And it obviously still hurt him later on. He was still getting over that in the other books. That's number 10, by the way. So we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're vibing with these. Okay. So that literally like made my heart burst because now we know yeah. he's got every reason in the world. Every person he cares about, he is whoring out his body. He is literally getting raped on the daily with all that trauma and all that hurt for his family well and then we find out too later on she would manipulate not manipulate she would take advantage of special celebrations and days i mean starfall where you know it's supposed to be this uh, this special day and she would force him to as he called it service her and on the days that held such happiness for him destroys my heart starfall is their thing well because then you know if by some chance they survive this and they do get to go back to their life he will now forever on these happy days have to think of that as well like she is putting this she's seeding this permanent trauma it so diabolical. All right, number 10. If it's any consolation, Rhysand confided to him, she would have been the one for you and you might have gotten away with it. A bit late though, she's more stubborn than you are. There's nothing you can say to that. I'm gonna move to the next one because I will cry. Okay, cool. So literally the next page is the one we were just talking about. So this is number 11. The, the part where Reese makes Tamlin bow to him. And now we know about the tattoo on Reese's knees. He's even said he will not, he will not bow for anyone that's, that for anything other but than. But Tamlin crumbled at the first sign. He, the first, and that's not the only time that, that Tamlin does that shit. He falls apart as soon as Feyre is like, no, I don't want to be with you. They, thanks, but no. He throws a tantrum and ruins the house. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, and then he not only, he runs to Highburn. If my husband did that, I'd be like, shut up. He betrays 
everything and runs to Highburn. He sells them out to Highburn. Because he, quote, loves her. No, he loves himself. It, yeah. And I love when, I love later on when we'll, we'll get to it, but when Reese says, you know, love can be toxic. It doesn't, love isn't always a good thing. And, and he's right. You, not all love is good love. And Tamlin, it, time and time again, this is not good love. And I love there's a conspiracy. Yes, I love. I love that there's a conspiracy that Tamlin and Amarantha were mates all along. Good. Two people can go rotten hell. Ugh. But we also know that you can be mates with someone that you hate. You don't have to love them to be mated to them. And, I mean, look at how toxic and manipulative Amarantha is. Look at how toxic and manipulative. They both have tempers. They're both obsessive. Two peas in a pod. But here, okay. So I'm going to read the whole thing because we were just talking about him being her whore, right? Tamlin was frozen, his arms, his claws hanging limply at his side. I've never seen him look like that. Please, was all that Tamlin said. Please what? Freestan said, gently coaxing like a lover. Don't tell Amarantha about her, Tamlin said, his voice strained. And why not? Ask her whore. He said with a glance tossed in Lucian's direction, I should tell her everything. Please, Tamlin managed, as if it were difficult to breathe. Rhysin pointed at the ground. His smile became vicious. Beg, and I'll consider not telling Amarantha. Tamlin dropped to his knees and bowed his head. Lower. Tamlin pressed his forehead to the floor, his hands sliding against the floor towards Rhysan's boots. I could have wept with rage at the sight of Tamlin being forced to bow to somebody, at the sight of my high lord being put so low. Rhysan pointed at Lucian. You too, fox boy. Lucian's face was dark, but he lowered himself to his knees. Then he touched his head to the ground. I wished for the knife Rhysan had chucked away for anything for which to kill him. Reading that back and hearing the high lady of the night court sit calling Tamlin her high lord, that physically hurt. Disgusting. So like I said earlier, hearing Rhysan kind of throw a glance towards uh, Lucian and being like, you know, as her whore, like, since that's what you seem to think I am. Why wouldn't I run off and do and tell her everything? And I bet for him at that point, it's got to be frustrating to discover because he didn't know Pharaoh was there when he arrived, but to discover that she's there and her, immediately her first information from the people she's with is that he's Amaretha's whore. She's the mysterious she, the evil she that has been torturing them. That's her, that's her whore. And he's just like, great. Thank you for giving her that perception of me. Wonderful. Great. Now that's who she's going to think of me as. I, I bet that that must have been hurtful. That must have, that must have broke his heart to think he's got to now recover from that with her. Well, and you know that he was just, he put the face of the High Lord on. He was able to put that mask on and slip into it. And to my core though, I loved and I relished in the fact that he made Tamlin big. He who will not bow to anyone made Tamlin big. He, the man who has to watch his mate be with the scum of the earth, made that man bow to his will. And I was like, the power that you have, Rhysand. <clears throat> I know he says he does it to scare Tamlin into sending her home, but you can't tell me he wasn't just like, he wasn't just a little bit doing it for himself as well well just oh of course he was of course he was that didn't make him feel yeah i would i'd be like hell that wouldn't even be for motive to keep her safe i'd be like nope you kiss the ground right now you fuck you buddy like that would have been pure spite Tamlin said are you gonna tell amarantha like a fucking child a little bitch boy and he goes perhaps i'll tell her perhaps i won't <laughs> Tamlin goes to fight her and he goes none of that not with a lady present 
I'm like, mm, we're still respecting women. Wow, shocking concept, Tim Tam. Shocking concept how the, in your eyes, the most evil man in all the parentheses, parentheses, all the Parinthian still respects women. Shocking. Tamlin is so archaic. He has got the oldest, most outdated gender roles where she is this little dainty, frail, fragile female, and he's the strong protector, and you answer everything with violence. And I'm not here for it. I don't think any of us are. It's not attractive. Nobody is being swept off their feet by Tamlin just getting enraged. There, in my perspective, is nothing more attractive than someone who can smooth talk like like Reesan can. <sighs> All right. And Reesan is quick-witted. Like, we, we learned that about him. He is... Clever, and I enjoy seeing the wheels in his head turn. They're fun. All right, ready for number 12? This part really pissed me off. It's when he's sending Feyre home, and Feyre goes, but what about the treaty? I've taken on your life debt. Should someone come inquiring after the broken laws, I'll take responsibility for Andrus's death. She goes, but once you said there was no other loophole, the serial said there was, and if they have a problem with it, they can tell me. You ass hat you made up a lie and now you're trying to make yourself the bigger person being like oh but i'll just i'll take don't worry about it i've got you covered baby well you fucking lied my dude i'm the hero again i'm the knight in shining armor again to your own made-up lying stories none of this is true you've caused all of this he caused all of it by embarrassing amarantha and getting them all basically put into the blight and then refusing to do anything to, to resolve the blight earlier on. He waited till the last minute of the 50 year uh, time limit. Last days. He waited till it was almost about to expire. Waited. And, and then when he finally does find a human that fits the, the narrative, he doesn't give much of an effort. He just gets pissy at the whole beginning of the book about her not immediately just loving and falling for him. Like, he's just pissy and bitchy about the whole thing. And when it finally all falls into place, he just throws it all. He's, he just pisses me off. He's manipulative. I think that he kept trying. I don't think he actually wanted to say that he loved her. I think he kept trying to get her to say it back. I think he was just hoping he could trick her into saying it back. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that Tamlin truly loved Feyre. Well... He was infatuated with her and he was he was in love with the thought of her, but he was never in love with Feyre. But he's also a very possessive person. I think he didn't like the idea of her going to other people, but not that he actually truly loved her for himself. And in that same sentence, she goes, did I do something wrong? Because she's like, why doesn't this man not want me? And he's like, you did nothing wrong. You were perfect. Shut up. Shut up. Okay, that makes me mad enough we're going to number 13. Also, now any sex scene between them makes me physically nauseous. It's any romantically, anything with physical touch between them, huh, no thanks. It's so hard to listen to. All right, that brings us to, you were just talking about the love part, right? I love you, thorns and all. Libby, please explain why that is a crock of bullshit. Earlier on in the garden, Rose Garden, that Tamlin's dad had gifted his mother as a mating gift, when Feyre rips out a rose and is bleeding, and he takes it and he's like consoling her, when he gives her the rose back, he's removed all the thorns. It is now just a rose that has no thorns. So I think that was foreshadowing that he does not truly love her thorns. 
He loves the rose, but that's it. What did I say? He loves the thought of her. He doesn't love her. Yes. He does not want her, her quirks and her true personality. He wants the parts that he likes and he wants to cut out, pick off the thorns that is the rest of her that he doesn't like. I feel like he wants Elaine. Yes. He wants her to be Elaine. Yeah. And that's not happening. I was very worried because I had heard fan theories that Elaine and he were mates. And I was very worried that that's what it would happen. I'm very relieved to know. It's Lucian instead. That that is not her mate. I would be devastated if Elaine got stuck with Tamlin. We have two more. We have number 14. And as Nesta being one of my favorite characters, it's for Nesta. And the foreshadowing in this, I did not get it until we were talking about the chapter last week. Listen to this. I'd forgotten how cunning her eyes were, how cold. She'd been made differently from something harder and stronger than bone and blood. She was as different from the humans around us as I'd become. Hell yeah, she was. Because she's a queen. We know that. Queen without a throne. The queen of death, Lady Death. In a court of silver flames, over and over again, they just keep saying that she was made different. Or or even a, a court of wings and ruin. When she goes into the cauldron, something... Where, where she, they're saying when she was forged in the cauldron... She was forged differently. It was not the same. And here we see it being foreshadowed in book one. In book one. I've never seen somebody pull that up before. There's a couple of these that I had seen on fandom pages. This I have never seen mentioned. When we were recording today and I read that, I was like, are you kidding me, bestie? You are foreshadowing Lady Death in book one. That is boggling. Okay. Next one and final one. I don't think I ever have the mental capacity to keep up with the planning that she, that Bestie puts into her books. I could never. Not even announce. Yeah, she's on a whole nother level. Not even announce. Okay, 15 and final. Which I feel like we've been very emotional this episode because we are very passionate people. <laughs> okay, number 15. At the very end of chapter 20. After she's returned home and she sees her family safe and she knows she should be happy, but she's not. She says this, I had to stay. It was wise to stay here, but I couldn't fight a sensation like a darkening shadow within me that I'd made a very, very big mistake in leaving. No matter what Tamlin's orders, stay with the high Lord, the serial said, it's only command. Cause it was surprise it was the wrong high lord the darkening shadow no no not even that it was the wrong choice to leave well yeah to leave the wrong high lord she she left the wrong guy she didn't stay with the right guy she left and went home she was supposed to stay with Rhysand and she's thinking yeah no no no, I'm yes I was like again bestie you gotta mind bend us here it was literally a darkening shadow again I'm wondering I was just going to say, did Mr. Reese man, Reese's pieces go, we really need to get her back in here because I can't stay here anymore and we're all going to be screwed for the rest of our lives. She's going to find Valaris. I would say it would be the bond pulling her back again, because even when Reese is retelling that, he's like, when you showed up back at, at uh, Prithian after we had finally gotten you home, it was the most like terrifying thing to see you there the adder to see you brought in by the adder when i finally knew you were going to be safe so i think that it was the bond being like no 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 no. you were supposed to be here you try again no no come on back and the fact that it's a darkening shadow feeling in her i was like really oh that's reese that's reese there's no question really exactly 
There's so much alluding to Reese. I mean, it, there was an episode where I mentioned... We missed it all. There was We missed every step where they're in the meadow and they fall asleep and she's like the dark, peaceful sleep. Like, you're telling me that the dark overcoming you was peaceful? It's because you, you are meant to be uh, with the dark high lord the not even dark in a negative way the the high lord of the night court the night guy lib there are so many aspects of this book that i love actually let's be real akatar is not my favorite book uh this book hurts to read after you've read all of them the first one is like the most painful to go back to so having to live through this book for the last half of a year or how, how long have we been doing this? It's been a while. A few months. June, July, August. So sorry for the last three months. It has been painful. And I cannot wait to get through this book. Hey, um, Libby, we have a super special star of the week this week. It's, you know, I think our star of the week is well overdue. We've... It's probably the best one we've ever have. I, yeah. We we probably should have led with this, but I, I think that this was the right episode to, to bring her in. Yeah. So our star of this week is... um. Sarah J. Mass. She didn't give us a blurb, obviously. We're... Yeah, I don't think I'm really going to go through and read Bestie's bio. I think we all got it. But I would like to say she's the star of the week every week, but specifically this week because she has called, caused me trauma, caused me pain, caused me love. I'm going to get her stuff tattooed on my body. So SJM, Bestie, thank you for ruining our lives. Thank you for helping us break down and rebuild ourselves and figure out just who we are and giving us the words that we needed to hold on to to find strength. Also, how does one author over and over and over again create so many quotes for us to live by? I was about to say, she has made stories that will never leave us, that are there on our hardest days, and we're very thankful for that. But that being said, we do have to let you know, dear listeners, we are taking a two-week break because we have reached the end of season one. So we made it a little over halfway. This was our stopping point. We are going to hit once she gets home and then kind of cut it. We're going to take a two-week break, come back with season two to finish the rest of Akatar, the first book. That'll bring us till the end of the year. So we'll have two weeks off to enjoy our birthdays. Yes, Abby and I have birthdays like right next to each other. Yeah. Four days apart. Literally four days apart. So we're going to enjoy our birthdays. My family's coming to visit. It's going to be a good time. And we just need a little break from the um, mind-bending annoyance slash love slash too many emotions from this podcast. Libby, right? Yes. We have to mentally prepare for... Well, you have to mentally prepare for your family. That's a whole other mental preparation. None of them will listen to this. And it's my mom and my dad. And I love them very much. But it... Having people here is stressful, so I got to clean the whole house. We got to do a whole bunch. So <laughs> we should be back, though, by the third week of October, right, Abby? Nope. The third week of September. We're not taking a month off. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Third week of September. But Libby, what do we still want from them? We want to hear from them. Always. Even on our break, guys. We always want to hear from you guys. We're still waiting. Send us an email. Email us at a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs. You don't know how much it means to us to get a message from you guys. Anything. It's so much fun. We love it. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We will see you next season. And remember, don't let the hard days win. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening. 
not afraid of the dark. Okay, we did a whole season, Libby. I'm so proud of us. I'm stopping now.